Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Be a part of the best pro wrestling podcast today by supporting the Going In Raw Patreon. You can enjoy access to the live taping of the show, exclusive merchandise, and patron-only episodes, and so much more. Support Going In Raw today. Click the link in the description. Hey, Brent Nell, Steve here. And Larson. And welcome back to Going In Raw Matt Chat. This is the show where we debate hot topics. Give our hot takes in the world of professional wrestling. Topics provided to you, us, by our friendos on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson. $20 a month gets your face on this show. Yeah. In the scorn of many YouTube commenters. Right? I don't read the comments. Where else are you? Yeah, nobody should. Um, we're also available on the Pro Wrestling Tees. There's a sale going on right now, right? Yeah, currently there's a sale going on on Pro Wrestling Tees. 20% off everything. Big time sale. We have new designs on our store. Go, uh, sorry, Coldwater Larson yeah. designs. Yeah. Uh, hopefully some more by the time uh, this episode airs. We're shooting this on Tuesday. Correct. So, yeah, check it out. Very good. Purchase some shirts, save some money. That's good. So, first up, we're going to get right into this. We've got a bunch of great questions uh, first, we're going to kick off with our good friendo, Adam Mayhem, and see what he has to say. Buenas tardes, friendo University. Bienvenidos to another edition of Chit Chat with the Champ. I'm going to try to keep it simple and short. Steven Larson, do you guys think that WWE is failing to create new megastars? And do you guys think that the reason why this is happening is because of the uh, failed Roman experiment. Thank you, Adam Mayhem. Thank you. Yeah, no, I actually agree with Adam Mayhem. I think they are failing to create new megastars. I think with the exception of Braun Strowman, um, they do seem to be having... I think they have, like... I think they have, like, a wealth of um, talent that could potentially be megastars. It's just they're not using him right. And I don't think you can blame the Roman Reigns experiment on that. Because here's the thing. We've said this time and time again. People who don't like Roman Reigns, you don't have to watch him. Granted, he's got the... <laughs> Sorry, he's got the Intercontinental Championship and he's about to have the Universal Championship as well. However, titles aren't everything. And you can create megastars without relying on titles 
to get them over. Um, take Finn Balor, for example. Huge star, first Universal Champion. They always refer to that. Had a mat, like a huge, hugely buzzworthy match against AJ Styles uh, two pay-per-views ago. And, um, and he's supremely over. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming that his merchandise sells really, really well. The people love him. They haven't given him much of like a character or stories to work with. They tried that thing with Bray Wyatt. But he doesn't need Roman Reigns' spot to be handled properly by creative. All they need to do is book him in some really interesting stories, uh, have him rack up some quality wins, and you will have a megastar on your hands. The same thing could be said about Samoa Joe. The same thing could be said about uh, Seth Rollins, who already is kind of a superstar in his own right. I'm not going to say he's a megastar, but he is <coughs> he is supremely over. All Is that all the, the at the foot of the Roman Reigns experiment? No, I don't think so. I think that there are a number of other avenues. You have a three-hour show. Roman Reigns is in what one program out of that three hours. You have any number of other avenues to be developing. This is all at the feet of creative. They're not giving these other stars the proper push and momentum that they need in order to become megastars like from the past, like we've seen with Stone Cold Steve Austin and a ton of others. Sorry, I'm not like at 100% today. Mm-mm. But um, I don't think at all you can blame this on the Roman Reigns experiment. I think that's one small aspect of things that they're just waiting for this universal title scene to, to play out. But I don't think that's the end-all, be-all. I, I see if they were to use the same ingenuity and creati- creativity they use in NXT, I think you'd see some of these guys laying in wait becoming megastars without having to worry about what's going on with the universal title. So, I mean, you look over on SmackDown, you got AJ Styles, who I would consider a megastar. He's never had to worry about Roman Reigns. No, he uh, lost Roman Reigns pretty early on. What's that? He lost to Roman Reigns twice pretty early on. Um, yeah, but that was before the whole... Uh, yeah, I know, but he's still, he's still a megastar. So I don't know if that, uh, I don't know if that plays into your hand or my hand. I don't know. Say what you're going to say. Um, I don't think the Roman experiment is the sole reason for the lack of megastars, but it is a pretty significant one. Um, Over the last four years or so, Vince has tried and 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 tried some more to get Roman over as the next top guy, the next John Cena. Um, And with every attempt... He's run into at least resistance and at times absolute failure. Mm. Um, let's go back to when Vince was writing his uh, promos for him. That was a disaster. Uh, Roman uh, uh, had a hernia injury in the midst of all that. Probably the best thing could have happened to him. Mm-hmm. So that way uh, they could reassess that situation. And after that, I didn't feel like Vince was writing his promos for him anymore. Um, Vince has tried three times. To, to give Roman his coronation during the main event of WrestleMania. First, WrestleMania 31 against Brock. Wisely, he saw the fans were not going to embrace it. They were going to fight it. Had Seth cash in, win the belt that night. WrestleMania 32, he did get it, kind of, uh, in his match against Triple H for the WWE title. Triple H uh, said, hey, step up. Uh, at least that's our supposition. Uh, Roman didn't really do- manage to do it because the match wasn't that great. He won the belt, however, in lackluster fashion. Didn't work then. Just this last year, he retired The Undertaker. And the next night in Raw, he got booed basically out of the building. 
Um, Vince is uh, seems to be of the opinion that any reaction is a good reaction. But if if what Roman has got throughout the last three or four years is not heat on the character, but heat on him, X-Pac heat, if you will, that's not the kind of reaction you want. Because that's the kind of reaction that, that people will say, all right, I'm not going to spend my money on this product. I'm not going to spend money on it to go to Raw or SmackDown or subscribe to the network or go to house shows or buy merchandise. And granted, there's a lot of other good stuff um, on WWE programming. But if those talents aren't being utilized to their fullest because all the focus or a vast majority of the focus is on one wrestler, then it's not going to be fulfilling to, 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 to fans of those wrestlers. Imagine if um, when AJ and Roman had his, their feud and, and AJ lost, didn't get the belt from Roman, and then AJ just kind of mired in the mid-card of Raw, didn't get a send over to SmackDown during the draft, just kind of, he's, he's a good wrestler, good hand, uh, good at getting people over in matches, not necessarily by losing himself, but just he can bring a good match out of anybody. And Vince said, AJ, that's your role. People who know of AJ Styles' career know that he can do a lot more than that. And on Raw, um, I feel like in certain certain situations that has happened. The only really megastar, or sorry, the only up-and-coming wrestler this last year they've booked perfectly, correctly, I would say, is Braun Strowman. He has everything to be a megastar. Tons of charisma, personality, good on the mic, fun in the ring. He has all the ingredients. But once Roman gets that universal title from Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 34, if it's going to be Reigns versus Strowman at any point in the year following, Strowman is eating that pin. The entire focus is going to be on Reigns once he gets that belt. I don't know what it's going to take for Vince to, 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 to admit to himself this Reigns thing isn't working. What is it going to take? Is it going to take a huge decrease in house show attendance, a huge decrease in network subscribers, a huge drop in ratings? I don't know. Whenever he makes Reigns the focus, it's not like there's a bump in ratings. It doesn't happen. Fans have yet to really embrace them, and until that happens, and I don't think, sorry, I don't think it's, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I think there's to a certain uh, aspect of the audience, there's this Pavlovian response that when the Shield music hits, they're going to boo. Just at Survivor Series, they booed him. Still, as a member of the Shield, they have a huge uphill climb ahead of them to try to get Reigns over. They keep putting every belt imaginable on him putting them back with the shield because everybody loves the shield and even that's not entirely working. If they break up the shield before WrestleMania 34, that main event of WrestleMania when Reigns wins against Lesnar it's going to get crapped on. Yeah, but I don't think it... <clears throat> I mean, we're, we kind of agree on this, but I don't think that necessarily precludes other stars from coming up and becoming stars on their own. You mentioned Braun Strowman who has been booked absolutely correctly. Yeah. WWE Creative has found great ways to get Braun Strowman over in a massive, massive way. Now, is there a ceiling named Roman Reigns? Yes, there is a ceiling named Roman Reigns. However, that doesn't mean that Braun Strowman can't go on. Eventually, yes, it'll be ridiculous if he doesn't get the universal title or a shot or something like that. And you might be right if that happens after Roman Reigns beats Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. They're, they're, they're laying the groundwork for that story because they're Braun going to have beat Roman all over the place. They're going to have some very, very tough decisions to make that is going to rankle some fans to no end mm -hmm. if they do go that route. I don't know that they will, but I, I think they're probably thinking we're going to cross that bridge when we get to it. But take, for example, uh, Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor. Two guys who we both know there's a lot of money in. Two guys who we both know they're not utilizing to their potential at all. 
And that feud was complete garbage, and it was looking to be even more garbage with the yeah. addition of Sister Abigail. And Pumpkin Beller. If the and, thank you, and Pumpkin Beller. If that if the if they took the creative approach that we saw with Alistair Black Velveteen Dream, I'm not saying the exact same thing. I'm just saying that kind of simplicity but creativity. Yes. If they took that to the same realm with Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt, do you one better? You could you could be utilizing them and making megastars with those guys without any need for the universal title. Let's go back to WrestleMania 30. John Cena versus mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. They were telling an interesting story in the ring where Bray was pushing John Cena's buttons, mm-hmm. you know, saying, here, hit me with this chair, yeah. knowing that if Cena did that, it would violate Cena's <coughs> own principles. And while Bray wouldn't have won the match, per se, if he had got pinned after that chair shot, yeah. he would have won the larger battle. Yeah. But instead, uh, yeah, Cena for a moment was, was torn about what to do, but in the end, Cena won. Imagine if Bray Wyatt had won that match. Yeah. Cena was not able to hit Wyatt with the chair. He could bring himself to do it. Mm-hmm. Wyatt takes advantage, gets the pin. Yeah. Huge star made right there. Or Carry or, that momentum out. Yeah. This is an ongoing problem for WWE. They, they, for the most part, and we just saw this at Survivor Series, they seem hesitant to really invest in making any of their current full-time roster members huge stars. Mm. It's like they really have to have their arms twisted. Yeah. And instead, they rely so much on part-timers to sell pay-per-views, to sell network subscriptions. And at a certain point, when those part-timers don't or can't wrestle anymore, who are they going to fall on then mm-hmm. to bring audience in? Yeah. This, I mean, I, from a business perspective, I understand what they're doing from a, a short term. But what in three years, you're going to have what are you going to have? You need to invest in young talent now to build them up to that level. So in three years, when all these part-timers are gone, there are wrestlers that people are, are, are captivated by, invested in, that they want to tune in to the product to see what they're going to be doing. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I just wonder, I don't believe for a second, though, that they're turning to, and I don't know who, I don't know like who, what literally the line of succession is or what the, the, the hierarchy is in terms of creative but going back to this Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt thing, just as an example, because I think it's a good example. And the example you brought up of Bray Wyatt, John Cena, is a great one to parallel with the Aleister Black, Velveteen Dream thing. Because with that feud, you had it both ways. Aleister Black picked up the win. John Cena could have picked up the win, but if he did it in the way that Bray proved that he had to do it in, you would have had you get your cake and eat it too yeah, situation. Yeah. Or, 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 or the opposite, if Cena couldn't bring himself to use the chair and, and, and lost it. because of it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so... I just don't understand why they would resort to those cheesy graphic, like the cheesy effects with the little, little squiggly line thing with Bray Wyatt Finn Balor. I don't understand why they'd resort to just stuff that's so silly and corny and cheesy. Like the entire Bray Wyatt Randy Orton thing. I mean, hey, I, I will say this: the House of I know a lot of people hated the House of Horrors. I was not one of them. I thought that it was a uh, I thought it was an interesting experiment. I thought the WrestleMania stuff was crap. But I thought the House of Horrors was an interesting experience. But I think experiment. The, the, the larger idea of building up Bray. Yeah, no, you're, right, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, you're absolutely and, right. and then I not agree. doing anything interesting about 100%. 100%. If you had, and we've said this a million times. If you had booked... Because with Bray Wyatt, it's been the same story over and over again. They put him in something that has the potential to be interesting. And to varying degrees, they execute part of it. And then they it always just falls apart. Yeah. And it's inferior. Because they always have him loose. Because you can have a total megastar in him. And I don't. I honestly don't think that they're intentionally... Here's, I guess, my point that Adam Mayhem's coming to. 
I don't think that they're intentionally saying, hey, creative, do some really stupid No, I don't crap. think they're trying to torpedo Young Talent's career, I don't think se. they're trying to do that, but they have to bring – like, they need, they need a fresh voice back there coordinating this stuff to make it better because you can be building megastars who don't need the universal title and you can still carry out your Roman Reigns experiment at the same time. At a certain point, though, the, putting one of the major titles on, on people who are on the cusp no, of I, I agree with megastars, that. I agree with that. They need that moment. You need the moment. You absolutely do for the fans to, 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 to see to them, them as legitimate. Yes. Next up, we have a great question from Jay. We have two questions oh, similarly yeah, yeah. themed from JT Hosack and Bobby Mincy. Let's play them back to back. Mm-hmm. Hello guys, this is JT the Professor Hosack here with another match chat question. I may be a little bit late, maybe it'll have to go to next week. But during the Intercontinental U.S. Championship, a lot of that heat was developed on social media. So my question for you all is, well really the debate topic is, building the heat on social media, is that a good play by WWE? Should they continue to do that? Um, Larson, I'd like you to, to argue that it's a good idea to build heat on social media rather than in the ring. Um, and uh, Steve, I'd like you to argue just the opposite of that. It's better in the ring, on the shows, rather than on social media. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Have a great day. Hey, guys. Love the shirt. Bobby Mincy here with another Matt Chat question. So, uh, considering, actually, Baron Corbin, Miz and Baron Corbin's, most of their feud for Survivor Series was on social media, um, and a lot of, you know, storylines, feuds, stuff like that has been mainly on social media, and that's picked up drastically over the past year or so. Um, I don't have much social media aside from Facebook, so I really don't follow none of them, I don't know anything about it and everything else, so... I'm kind of out of the loop until someone else, like you guys, mention it. Or if SmackDown or Raw mention it. Do you think that doing little excerpts like this through social media is a good thing or a bad thing? You guys decide and have a good one, guys. Too sweet. Thank you, JT and Bobby. Thank you, both of you. Is building heat on social media a good idea? Heck yes, man. Go ahead. People consume media, content, television differently these days. I mean, we watch all the raw because it's our jobs, mm-hmm. but how many people want to keep up with what WWE is doing but want to invest three hours of their day watching Raw plus two hours for SmackDown? That's five hours a week. A lot of hours. It is a lot of hours. So I imagine and WWE does a great job of this. They post a lot of the highlights from the shows on YouTube and on Twitter. I'm sure on Facebook, too. And and I, I'm guessing a lot of people consume their WWE content on social media rather than on television, or even watch it on Hulu or something like this, in a bridge version. Um, so to to streamline their experience, to have feuds take place over social media, um, uh, makes it a, a, a more all-encompassing product, I think, for WWE. You had The Miz and Baron Corbin go back and forth several times during the Leap Survivor Series exclusively on social media. They had no interaction, really, on Raw or SmackDown. Miz cut a couple promos on Baron. Baron never really said anything on TV. It was all on social media, and it was effective, and it's referenced on TV. They play clips, commentary references it, and it, it added some depth to the story that, that, that could have just simply been mid-card champion versus <coughs> mid-card champion. There was a little bit of heat there. I didn't watch any of the videos, but based on what they showed on TV, reading some news sites, I knew it was going on. Um, and just to get, kind of get the thought in people's head, okay, there's there's storylines here 
that are developing not just in one place, but it's a little more all-encompassing. You've talked about in the past uh, 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 carrying over, to a certain extent, kayfabe beyond what we see on our television screens. And usually you mention that in terms of like when uh, maybe like when a wrestler's hurt, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you have a knee injury, you know, don't be seen, you know, running a marathon. <laughs> yeah, right. You right. know, so if they kind of carry over a little bit of what's going on on TV onto the social media feed, I can see how it can flesh out the experience for fans. So, no, I think it's, it's a good way to, to, to find other avenues to build heat, develop feuds, develop characters. I'm totally cool with it. Again, there's a middle ground here that I agree with you on in that there, I think it is a good ancillary way to build a feud. Um, they, the thing is, on social media, if, it's, if we're talking exclusively social media, then no, you need to show. And they did, in fact, during the Ms. Baron Corbin buildup, they did show the videos that they posted to a degree. Um, no, not to a degree. They did show the videos. They showed clips. On their yeah. actual TV programming. Yes. Yeah. Um, but if you take that to the extreme and you eliminate that from the TV programming, let's take this question to the extreme and say, can you, can you only build promos through social media? Well, we kind of saw what happened with uh, the ridiculousness of John Cena being added to the Survivor Series SmackDown team strictly through Twitter announcements. And then they kind of mentioned a little bit, but John Cena was nowhere to be found. It was all handled by WWE, seemingly by WWE's uh, social media department, who had no access to John Cena. So they would just tweet out, oh, by the way, the biggest star we have is well, that's also not really a feud between. I mean, he, he was added to the team just to put a fifth member to I draw know, eyeballs, but, but he wasn't building, involved in any story Listen, but what did we say when he actually came out? When he actually came out, it's, we have no emotional investment in Cena being in this match. We do not care that he's in this match. But everybody else, because we've seen them interacting on the show, there is some emotional stakes. Oh, is Finn going to win? Him and Samoa Joe have a thing. Bobby Roode, hold on. Bobby Roode, he's sort of a new kid in town. He was like 40 years old. Is he going to be a big, impactful player? Every, every dream match situation that they were playing around with the only one that Cena was involved with that really mattered was him versus Angle because mm-hmm. there was a history yeah, there. History, yeah. But otherwise, it didn't. Ma- none of it freaking mattered with John Cena. We were laughing at him because he was this cheerleading. He didn't come out in Team SmackDown gear. No. And that's kind of the, the logical end point for doing things exclusively on social media is that when you don't integrate that social media stuff into your TV programming and, and include... Like you know, the actual wrestlers doing things, um, then there there's no emotional investment. Then when you have your blow off for it, I'll tell you a, a, a feud that has progressed nicely and has been engaging the whole time, and it's been more or less exclusively on social media. Bullet Club versus WWE. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good one. I think there's probably some legal issues precluding those parties from being on. Each other's programming. Yeah, I understand that, but nonetheless, that's a feud that's developed, again, almost exclusively on social media. <laughs> it's an actual feud, though. It's like yeah, no. actual legal thing happening. No, I understand that, but yeah. it's developed largely over social media. I mean, good point. Uh, next up. And there's plenty of heat there, Steve. There's a lot. That's actual heat. That's real heat. Next up from our good friend A.O. Worm. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, what's going on, friendo? It's your boy A.O. Worm here back with another video question. And my question is for Matt Chat. It's going to be for next year for Survivor Series, should they implement a war games between Raw and SmackDown? Like have one person start off and then every two minutes or so have somebody come into the ring how they did with the NXT takeover. 
so, guys. Let me know what you think. Thank you, A.O. Worm. Thank you very much. Great question. Yes. More games of Survivor Series? Absolutely, yes. We saw how awesome it was at NXT War Games. It was so ridiculous, and it was so much fun. Why not? They already have Hell in a Cell, which is usually a snooze fest, although it was actually kind of decent this past year. Um, I'm all for gimmick matches. I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the Elimination Chamber, so maybe you can eliminate the Elimination Chamber and replace it with War Games. Um, it's no, he's very clear saying at Survivor Series. Oh, oh, at Survivor Series. Then, yes, even better at Survivor Series. War Games, we saw how well it worked at NXT TakeOver Houston this year. Um, yeah, I would love it. I mean, it'd be great. Um, it, especially, look, everybody loves a countdown when it's inside, when it's in a match, when it's match related. And I like the idea. I think in his question, he said something like they wouldn't be in shark cages. It would just be every couple minutes, an, like another team member would come out. Yeah. So there would always be like a disadvantage going or one per one team would have a disadvantage, you know, um, on yeah, yeah, yeah. intermittent, uh, time intervals. intervals. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love this idea. It worked at NXT. Put it in the main roster. People love war games. Because, look, for no other reason than when they make the big announcement, nothing will ever top No, when Regal did it. No, and Adam Cole did this. War game? Adam Cole did that. <coughs> and war and Regal announced that great British voice of his. And then they had the freaking logo Just right. emblazoned behind him. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah, why not? Who, there's a million pay-per-views every year. Survivor Series. Make it war games. I like the idea in principle, but here's a major, huge, massive problem with this. War Games necessitates three teams. Survivor Series, there's only two. Even better, because there's only Raw and NXT. What better way? Here's the problem with that. Introduce the third brand. Vince is not going to let that happen. Vince, in his mind, WWE is Raw SmackDown. NXT is another thing that Triple H plays around with sometimes. Yeah. But it's not on par with Raw SmackDown. Dad, I'm now when Triple you, H takes over, dad, maybe. Listen, listen, Dad, this is a great idea. I've already convinced you. NXT third brand, more but better. War Games NXT Survivor Series. I already said I don't want to do it. Yeah, that's how it's going to go, Dad. And he just wears the old man down. Fine, do it. He catches Vince sneezing in front of him and says. You lost control there. He's like, yeah, hey, Dad, you lost control. Oh, no. He, he catches them on a, a day after Vince slept more than four hours. Yeah. Well-rested. So, no, that's that's the huge problem is that War Games needs the three teams. Dude, people would mark out for NXT. Oh, they would. There. It's just not going to happen. Big though. time. It's not going to happen right you now. You don't know that. I love the idea. I think it's great. AO Worm. Yeah, it would be great. Get somebody get AO Worm to book WWE. Next up from the cat, Daryl Takahashi. Let's see what he has to say. What's good, Steve Morrison? Many friendos out there. It's the cat, Daryl Takahashi. My question for Matt Chat this week is, if you're running NXT, what do you think would be a more beneficial addition to the show? A mid-card belt or a second hour of TV taping? Thanks, boys. Thank you, Daryl Takahashi. Thank you, Kat. Oh, I go first this time. Yes. Um, while a second hour would be awesome, it would give uh, uh, the developmental talents more opportunities to get on television. Sure. Um, uh, in the end, I kind of feel like with the, with the depth of talent on NXT. It's six season, people. Can you tell? Yeah, I know. Uh, that they really need a mid-card title for people to fight over. Mm-hmm. Um, they've done a fantastic job of booking feuds that don't need titles. But imagine uh, uh, some, of the, some of the feuds they've had recently, how they'd be amplified with a title involved. I mean... Granted, this was for the NXT Championship, but the shocking end to the almost Drew McIntyre match 
we weren't expecting Almas to win. We had we thought there was zero chance it would happen, yeah. or nearly zero chance it would happen, and yet it did. And now Almas is a major star because he has that belt. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he just has it for three months, it doesn't matter. He, he's he's going to be now known forever as NXT champion or former NXT champion. Give NXT a mid-card title, like an intercontinental title, a network title, <coughs> something like that, that that uh, that can kind of take the the place of what the Intercontinental title has from time to time been, which is the belt you give to a guy who's on the precipice of jumping to the main event. The, or, or also, at the same time, the belt they give to the best worker on the roster. Um, I think we do wonders for, for people like, example here, Ty Dillinger. There was for a, a stretch there, I was convinced that he was going to be the uh, a future NXT champion. The way they're building the stories, the way he was getting over with the crowd before he got called to main, or instead of getting called to main kind of prematurely, put that mid-card title on him, let him run with it. And then he can carry that momentum over to main. It would have done wonders for him if they could find time for him on SmackDown. Mid-card title, make it happen. Yeah. One step at a time, Larson. You can't have a mid-card title. Right now, they don't even have time in their programming for their feuds to be carried out on a weekly basis, which I actually kind of like. But, but... It makes them feel special. Yeah, but at the same time, sometimes it also makes you forget what's going on. So I would say a second hour is absolutely the way to go first. They've got all these great women that they have signed from the Mae Young Classic. So maybe explore the idea of a women's tag championship after that, after you go into a second hour. Um, But I think, in my opinion, the NXT title is far too... Uh, it, 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 they they have really made it an important title. You have all these guys fighting at all games, who are prospective NXT champions. Uh, baby author of pain, Roderick Strong, Eric Young, Killian Dane for that matter, uh, Adam Cole, Bebe, of course. All these guys who could potentially get the NXT championship, and it just makes their quest for that gold even more interesting, even more vital by only having that one title there at a second hour uh, for that expanded women's uh, division. And uh, like we've already said, NXT is the best at booking stories that do not need titles involved. Take advantage of your writers. Take advantage of their creativity. You do not need to be fighting over a physical object and the people who reach that rarefied air of the NXT title, that is going to be even more compelling because you don't have another title below them. Ty Dillinger, we didn't need a title on him to understand the connection he had with the crowd, and I feel like if there was a mid-card title for Ty Dillinger, it just would have felt a little bit empty because he didn't get the actual NXT championship. That's my thought. Give them a second hour. Let them get some breathing room. Get that UK division established on NXT. And you can consider that not a mid-card title, but its own title of prestige. Well, that's kind of, you know, they had the, and it's on this week, Gargano challenging Pete Dunne for the United Kingdom Championship. Exactly. I mean, I kind of like that. I'm, I'm, I, I want them, we've always gone back and forth on this. I, I would prefer the UK Championship be defended on its own show. However, if they did kind of like a UK division in the in NXT That'd be cool too, but then you'd have to like you know be an actual guy from the UK or maybe expand it to Europe. The European they should do a European championship. We've never seen that before in the WWE. The WWE European Championship, something brand new we've never seen before. Mm. Right? No, it's been 
There's been a European championship. Pac was a European championship. I know. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Uh, next up from Juggernauts. Let's see what he has to say. If you had to each pick one WrestleMania main event as your all-time favorite, which one would it be? And no, I'm not really going to, you know, give you choices. Because I'm sure you already, you know, thought about what it was at some point in time. So, individually, what are your favorite WrestleMania main events? And you guys can't really pick the same one. I know that's challenging, but... See what he can do with this one, because I'm looking forward to hearing this debate. Thanks, Randos. See you around. Thank you, Juggernauts. Thank you, Juggernauts. Uh, oh, I go first. You go first? Do I? No, I go no first. you go first. Well, it's WrestleMania 31, because we were there. It was my biggest live markout moment <coughs> in history. Look, in terms of modern day, in terms of modern day Goliath going at it, you can't get better than Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. We're about to see that again at WrestleMania. But the first time around, they did it at WrestleMania 31. Vince, interestingly, hesitated on pulling the trigger on Roman Reigns. Well, decided wisely. Not to do it. Wisely, perhaps. Um, and when Seth Rollins' music hit, and he was entering basically like, you know, the the bear fight to try to tame one of the bears and steal that title away, the bear title. Um, we marked out hardcore big time, hard for, in fact, I wasn't even there for like the opening minutes of the match, but the funny thing about the match is that they were actually putting together a pretty decent match. Yeah, no, they're telling a decent story. It was a very interesting match they were putting together, and then when Seth Rollins' music hit, I'll never forget that, that stage that they had with that massive Tron mm-hmm. was really something to behold because it was so wide yeah. and giant. It was the entire length of the stage. It was the yeah. entire length. Pretty much. And you see his name and that the the, the double bass. The yeah. double bass kicks in. I will never forget that. That was such a huge, unique moment. Uh, fantastic. I'm not sure what it was like to be there at another spectacular Mania main event 30 for Daniel Bryan. That was probably a very special moment, too. Yes. Um, but for me, it'll always be Seth Rollins cashing in at Mania 31. Good answer. Uh, however, I'm going to disagree with you. I almost went with WrestleMania 30. Yeah. But instead, I'm going to go with the last match of my favorite wrestler ever, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. His retirement match against uh, Undertaker. Um, you, we could debate which of their WrestleMania matches was better, the one at 26 or the one the previous year. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, I think for me, being uh, an HBK fan, this being his last match, going out in spectacular fashion, defiant even, till mm-hmm. the end, um, and to see his reaction after the match, obviously emotional. Um, it's hard not to, as well, get emotional watching watching him walk up that ramp for the mm-hmm. final time as an active full-time wrestler. Um, stellar match, stellar back and forth between him and The Undertaker. It's long. It's like a half hour long. It's great. Awesome storytelling. Reference stuff that happened in the match pr- uh, the prior year. And in the end, you get to see a, a really heartfelt farewell to one of the all-time greats. So I'm going to say that one. Kind of interesting, like the history of WrestleMania main events is not, is not stellar. Like, you know, you can go back to Hogan v. Yokozuna at WrestleMania 9. Well, first it was uh, uh, Yokozuna versus Brett at WrestleMania, yeah, right, WrestleMania 9. Right, yeah. And but then, then like, Hogan came out to protest an injustice and in turn yeah. somehow won the belt himself. What, what was that injustice that he was really uh, protesting? That he wasn't booked to win the belt in the first place. Probably. Bret Hart was being booked to win yes. the belt. 
That's right. Next up from our good friend, Martin Garcia. Let's see what he has to say. My debate question to you guys is that which one is more deserving for a WrestleMania match? Triple H versus The Rock at WrestleMania 2000 or CM Punk versus John Cena at WrestleMania 29? Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Martin. Um, I go first. You go first. You I go, go first. first. This one's tough. Um, both of these rivalries are storied. Both of them had plenty of matches for sure. Um, I know Triple H and The Rock had a, a, a pretty lengthy feud over the Intercontinental title. Um, nonetheless, for them not to get that top spot at WrestleMania 20, 2000, sorry, 2000, 2000 yeah. sorry. I was there for that show. I remember the main event being really lackluster. Mm-hmm. Really, the only two <coughs> matches I remember from that show were the the ladder match, the tag team triple threat ladder match, and then uh, it was Angle versus Jericho versus Benoit, I believe. Um but I, I kind of vaguely remember the main event and it being kind of lame. Yeah. There just wasn't a whole lot of heat because they had all the McMahons there. There was yeah, this yeah. fatal four-way and then Mick Foley came out of retirement to be a part yeah. of it and stuff like that. It just felt convoluted and taped together and it, it would have been uh, far more satisfying to get a streamlined story with Triple H and The Rock. Not, I mean, the greatest rivalry of the Attitude Era was Rock Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. Just a step below that probably is Triple H Rock. Absolutely. Um, and to them, for them to get a blow-off uh, match uh, on the grandest stage in the mall at WrestleMania to main event when the shows would have been awesome. Absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, we didn't get it. I don't know why. Still don't know why. Like, didn't Triple H, was, he was a good politicker back then even. He was trying yeah. to get to the main event of WrestleMania 15. I know. I have no idea. I'm, I mean, I, from what I remember, they were just trying to add star power to it. But you toss Mankind and Big Show in there, and I don't see it. I, no, I don't I know. see it at all. It I know. Been because there. Stone Cold was hurt. He wasn't involved in that WrestleMania at all. I mean, could you imagine if they backed up and they were like, okay, listen, Triple H, you were the ultimate heel. Rock, you were ultimately like the ultimate baby face right now with Austin out. Let's make a couple of massive, massive exactly. stars out of you guys. Exactly. And make a real mania moment. It's bizarre they never did that. I know. Triple H was probably my favorite. Look, Stone Cold's probably my favorite wrestler of all time. But if you break it down, Triple H is one of my favorite guys. <laughs> break it down. Sorry, totally unintentional. Triple H is one of my favorite guys at the time. He's like my favorite heel of all time. Uh, but Cena Punk really, really just bugged the crap out of me that we didn't get that at WrestleMania 29. We had the once, once in a lifetime match the year before, Rock Cena. Why they didn't simply just go with Rock Cena at SummerSlam, <laughs> and then you don't have the, the problem of dubbing it twice in a lifetime, however they freaking called it. Um, or they could have, and I still don't know why they didn't do it, just add CM Punk to that WrestleMania main event. Well, he would have seemed like a third wheel for the story they spent three years well, making. I still, I still maintain that, I mean, I understand that Cena had to get his win, which is stupid. I mean, it's so dumb. And I get that there's a passing of the torch, but whatever. Rock should have just come in and do the job to Cena in the first place. Make it once in a lifetime, and then you're done. Um, but CM Punk was the guy for us. He was like the hardcore. He was like the hardcore fan guy, and I think adding him to the mix would have added an injection of just energy to something that we just saw a year before. You'd have the best worker in the company in the ring with both these guys <coughs> carrying them to a fantastic triple threat match. I think that would have been absolutely great. Um, CM Punk at the time had elevated that title so much by having that 430 some odd day reign. Um, as WWE champion, and then because Rock's there, and they want to have Cena versus Rock for the title now, 
Rock just comes along and they put the title on him. And like I think you felt this year, this past year at Mania, when they had Goldberg carry the Universal title, when they had a perfectly good thing with Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, which, by the way, he references and he talks about yeah. on uh, on the 365. Um, they instead they just they put that title on Rock and it did they didn't need it. Cena and Rock were both above title at the time. Yep. All Cena needed was a win over the Rock. And uh, I really feel like putting CM Punk in there, I think that him being the WWE champion was more than enough justification to add him as a triple threat match to WrestleMania 29. We never got it. We never got Cena Punk at WrestleMania in the WrestleMania main event, which is what we wanted. And if they had done that, I'm not sure that would have been enough to satiate CM Punk. Maybe at that point he would have been like, well, now I want to win at WrestleMania in the main event. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, burnout is burnout. But uh, it certainly could have hurt their chances to keep CM Punk on the roster. Although I'm not sure Triple H or Vince McMahon really wanted to keep him on the yeah, roster. Yeah, I don't know either. Because they fired him on his wedding day. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Triple H Rock would have been a huge, huge main event. I really would have loved to have seen Cena Punk or Cena Punk Rock at WrestleMania. Because I, re- I really do think that CM Punk was the guy for guys like me. Who, you know, like their wrestlers... Wrestlers, yeah, not entertainers, not sports entertainers, exactly. Um, next up, we've got a Liam Wa- a Liam Wagner question. Liam, Liam, is it Liam or Liam? Liam Wagner, let's Wagner. See what, let's see what Liam has to say. All right, what's going on, friendos? Liam's here. He's at work. But here's a quick little video question, real quick. Paige's back. My girl, your girl, everybody's girl. I love Paige. Mania's coming up again. I know we're doing this again. So, who's going to be a Mania? And for the title, Oscar or Charlotte, go Eagles. Thank you, Liam. Thank you, Liam. Um, who's, so who's Paige going to wrestle me? Well, it's going to be, oh, are you go first? You go going? first. I go first. Asuka. It's going to be Asuka. She was noticeably absent from all the Paige shenanigans from the Fatal 4-Way. And then Paige coming in, shenanigans. So Paige going to take the title off Alexa Bliss at the uh, Clash of Champions. Or the Rumble. It has to be the Rumble Clash Champions of the SmackDown pay-per-view. There you go. The Royal Rumble. Thanks for the assist. And then uh, we're going to get Asuka Page at, uh, at WrestleMania. That's what it should be. That's what it will be. Charlotte, she's on another brand. Good luck with that. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, uh, this Page faction mm-hmm. is going to rampage through Raw. Oh, good. Well done. Um, just beating up everybody mm-hmm. that uh, Kurt Angle is going to get so exacerbated, so upset. So uh, flustered mm-hmm. that he's going to say, we don't want you here anymore. Uh, we traded you to SmackDown for, let's see, Tamina. Okay. Uh, and, uh, uh, no, whatever. There's Tamina, a trade. Tamina's like a salary dump. Well, just, I was trying to think of comparable value. That's going to take some research. Let's say they're traded to SmackDown. Fair enough. Um, so they go to SmackDown. They do the same. Charlotte says, you're not going to do this on my show. Mm-hmm. So she steps up to him, mm-hmm. and uh, Paige says, well, we'll sell this in the ring at WrestleMania. Oh, wow. That's how you do it. <coughs> All right, fair enough. I like my answer better. Well, you have the easy answer. All right, next up, we've got a great question from Samuel O. Let's see what he has to say. What's going to improve WWE product more? A, swearing, more general debauchery of bad language, etc., or... More blood, violence, and exposed body parts. 
it just got real. So, Larson, because I know you are a fan of the filthy, filthy language of people. I'll give that one to Steve. Larson, you are going to be defending violence, blood, and general mayhem. Steve, you got a potty mouth. I'm going to be level with you. I'm going to be straight with you. You're filthy. Whether you want to admit it or not, you're filthy. So, you're defending general debauchery, swearing, and all that jazz. Anyway, gentlemen, go. Thank you, Samuel O. Wow. So, he wants to see extreme come back to WWE. Why don't you go ahead and let us know why you think violence and blood and general mayhem. Well, I think we saw during the ruthless aggression area, era, era, uh-huh. era, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Um, that uh, utilizing uh, blood during matches to enhance stories being told in the ring can be very effective. Mm-hmm. Like all the times HBK bled everywhere, yeah. it was always, more often than not, to serve the story mm-hmm. being told in the ring, and yeah. it usually worked. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to advocate for uh, rampant and exploitative violence or bloodshed. Oh, yeah, man. Um, it's got to all be in service of the story. CZW deathmatch. No, Jimmy I don't have anybody, any, anybody getting their skin on their shin. There's no off. wrong answer to this, this Matt Chat question, You don't think way. so? No, man. I want to see... Hey, I'm not done yet. Yeah. I want to see... People's faces being ripped off. Why no, 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 that's not your perspective. You, you got. Why do you ha- insist on interrupting me? Because he. Gave I hadn't finished. I just said there's no wrong answer. Therefore, I want to see. You have to argue the point chunks, of view that he gave you. You don't tell me anything. Chunks he of face you. being ripped off while they're using horrible language. Just the filthiest, worst, like just thrown out, like weird sex positions. And, like, introducing poo into the equation, right? And just nasty, bad language. You know, F-word this, F-word that. You know... Here's the thing, though. You can get away with showing blood on... The Y-word. The horrible Y-word that people say all the time. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Listen, if they're going to keep their cable deal, they can get away with a little blood. They can't get away with any of the stuff you're talking about. How about well, no, it's all network special. Raw's going to be on the network oh. after their current oh. TV deal is done with. And so you can get away with all this stuff. We saw the WWE Network survey that was sent to you and not me, and they said, do you want like a, an ECW TV 14 and up or TVMA it's 14. version of ECW? And I say yes, but take it to TV... Uh-uh. T-V-E-E, uh-uh. okay. as in not allowed to be on TV. I'm talking about, like, here's what you call it, too. You call it this. You call it WWE ass-to-mouth, and that's what it is. People love sex. People love violence. You combine them and bad language. I'm just, I don't want to see any of that. Man. No, I don't either. I'm if, too old if, to see that stuff. If WWE is going to improve their product, it's going to be... Interesting story. Have them, dude, have them put together a deal with Live League, right? Oh, gosh. It's like on one screen, you're watching a blood death match. On the other screen, you know, man gets shot down in robbery attempt in Brazil. <laughs> Close, you know, security cam footage of people getting shot. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a terrible no, idea. Awful idea. What about demonetized? Yeah, that's what they do. Instantly. Instantly demonetized. Um, next up, we got a question from Lawrence Eaton. What's going on, friendos? My question for Matt Chat is, do you think it's more important to have multiple title reigns like Roman Reigns or to have 
a longer title reign like Seth Rollins with the WWE title. Thanks, guys. Too sweet. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you, Lawrence Eaton. What's better, more Roman Reigns or longer Roman Reigns? Well, you go first. All right, I'm going to say longer Roman Reigns. Tell me why. Because why have a 6-3 Roman Reigns when you can have an 8-3 Roman Reigns? Not the, the same Reigns, People man. would mark out if there was an 8-foot-3 guy. Championship like that dude man. in the Guinness World of Records. Yeah, wasn't he like 8-11? Robert Ludlow. Yeah, something like that. Was. He was huge. Yeah, he was over 8 feet tall. Anyways. Um, uh, no, it's, it's, it's longer Reigns. I, granted, I understand that they don't call them, and here's your 500-day-long champion. No, they call them 15-time, 14-time, whatever people are. Um, but it's it's a longer reign. Look at Bruno San Martino. Eight years, and then another, like, three years after that. Eleven years total reign. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. But what was he? He was a lousy two-time champion. Who cares? Because he was champion for 11 years. That's obscene. And he's widely regarded as the best ever. The Rock even said he was the best ever just recently on Twitter. Um, so it's it's for sure it's a longer reign. When CM Punk had his long reign, they, you know, wow, 400 and some odd days. That's huge. The New Day, widely considered one of the best tag teams in the modern era. Why? Not because of the number of reigns they've had. The length of their reign it's such a rare thing that you break records with the length of your reign that uh, it's good. Go ahead. Why well, just have one Roman Reigns so we can have a plethora of them? Many Roman Reigns. Dozens even. Yeah, um, Roman's reign. Um, having one long reign, uh, I guess, could show your dominance over a, a period of a year. Mm, yeah. Or in Bruno's case, eight. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But having multiple reigns, um, shows, I mean, not that same level of dominance, mm-hmm. but a certain level of reliability, reliability that the company knows they can put the belt on you oh, and yeah. you're going to draw money. Sure. Um, look at Ric Flair. He held the belt, the NWA title slash WCW title, depending on how you uh, keep records, 20 plus times. Yeah. Because they knew regardless, even who he was facing really, put the belt on Flair, he will draw money, regardless where he goes, regardless who he's facing. Consistency, uh, reliability. Um and, and, and same thing with Cena. They know Cena, he draws money. Put the belt on him, he'll draw money. It's the same thing. He's reliable, consistent. Yeah, but here's the thing. Uh, what, you, what you're saying is true. I mean, there is no right answer here. It's But, you know, what was like the base of his question? What's better? Yeah. It's length. More. It's length. More. It's, give me a break. It's length. Several, you know, it's length. several reigns over 200 days. the greatest champion in WWE history. Well, there's a lot of metrics you can use. Who's the greatest champion in WWE history? Well, there's three metrics. There's uh, uh, how good are they? Are you good? Legacy. Legacy. Kayfabe. Kayfabe. And title reign is just kayfabe. Yeah. It's like it's probably, I mean, the guy that brought it to the... I know the, the biggest draw is Stone Cold yeah. in like WWE history. The most impactful is probably, probably Hogan. Hogan. Probably Hogan, you know. And they don't really refer to him as the, what is he, five-time now? Something like that, I yeah. think he's like five or six-time. They don't refer to him as that. They said, man, look at how look at Hogan's reign. It was like the 1980s. Yeah. It was that Four years, yeah, 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 yeah. But then you look at Stone Cold, who drew the most, and you're right in this. He was a multi-time, I think a six-time. But he never held the belt terribly long. None of his nope. reigns were very long. Nope. So a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Yes. Anyways. Uh, next up, we got Glorious S-Ball. See what he has to say. Hello, 
friendos, it's me, it's me, it's the one and only SSB, all the way from the good old UK. My question for you today is quite simple really. How likely do you think that the iconic duo Peyton Royce and Billy Kay will be WWE's first ever women's tag team champions? Obviously we've got prognosticate here that they're going to merge all of the May Young Classic competitors into the main roster at some point and then finally have that mid-card belt which will be the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship belt. How likely do you think that Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, the iconic duo, will be the very first WWE Women's Tag Team Champions? Debate and discuss what things are need to be put in place for this to actually happen over the next 12 months. Thank you, friendos. Have a nice day. Enjoy the debate. Thank you. Thank you. Um, do I go first? Yes. Yes. I mean, I feel like, if I'm being honest here, yeah. if there are uh, women's tag belts established, mm-hmm. yeah, Iconic Duo needs to happen first. It'd be pretty special. They really do. Pretty awesome. Um, the only way they could top that is for it to have one of them carry the singles championship mm-hmm. and carry it together. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, I'm going to say no for this reason. I don't know if they're going to do a women's tag division. They're bringing up, if last night of Raw is any indication... They're going to start bringing up some of these NXT talents to the main roster so they can make way for some of the signees from the May Young Classic. Um, I just don't know if there's time, either on NXT or any of the, the main roster shows, for a dedicated women's tag division. On SmackDown, there's hardly time for their tag division for uh, months at a time mm-hmm. before the Usos are really established as top team. Before the New Day came over, mm-hmm. it felt like there was weeks that would go by without any... Uh, development in the tag division at all on SmackDown, um, and I, I, I if they're going to establish a women's tag division, I want it to get it to be given it's 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 time to develop and for teams to develop, and I don't know if they're going to do that. So for that reason, I'll say no. <coughs> the correct answer is yes. If there is going to be a women's tag division, they need to hold those belts first. I'm just a bit skeptical about whether that women's tag division will ever come to fruition. Um, yeah, I mean that that's the right answer, although. I'll say this. The right answer might be, yes, they should establish a women's tag division. But no, it shouldn't be them. It should be some combination of the four horsewomen. That would, because they came in and, look, I know Paige was the first, like, anti-diva and she was a good wrestler. Emma is in there. But the four horsewomen really were the pivotal thing about the women's revolution. Like Charlotte and Becky. I can't think of a better duo than Charlotte and Becky. Or Sasha or Bailey. Or Sasha and Bailey, yeah. exactly. I think they probably would have the edge. Um, what you're saying is absolutely true. It's kind of a shame that a program like Main Event, which I think at this point is a lot of recaps. Is a lot of recaps. And one or two matches. I mean, I would never advocate for them to have, but if they did, like there's a lot of just jobbers and just like real sort of crap. If they were to if they were to have a network only, what if they had like a network only sort of above brand show that featured stuff from both brands that you don't see on Raw or SmackDown? Maybe at that point you can like add a women's tag division because here's the thing: regardless if they're bringing people up to make room for the NXT signees. Eventually, they're going to have to bring some people some places or some people are going to have to get Or create a whole new show. Or create a whole new show, exactly. So there's going to be a tipping point where either a bunch of people are going to get laid off or released, rather, or they're going to have to make more room, more time. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see it. I'd love to see a women's tag division. I think mm-hmm. it'd be great. Yeah. Some sort of ancillary. I mean, right now they've got 205 Live. Some, but they also have cruiserweights on Raw. Mm-hmm. So if you if you take that extra hour of 205 Live and you maybe shuffle the decks a little bit and make that extra hour some sort of like, you know, pressure release valve basically, and not for jobber matches, but for matches that really matter, you know, that's something that they need to consider. Maybe. They probably won't. Yeah, probably Our not. last Patrick. I'm sorry. Our last question is coming to us from our best Patrick. Patrick Sparks. Am I dogging another Patrick? Do we have any other Patricks? I don't know. I don't know if we have any other Patricks. But Patrick Sparks is our first Patrick and our most loved Patrick. Here he is with a question. Hey, friend of Pat here. So on Raw last night, we saw the return of Paige, and she was accompanied by the debut from NXT of Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. But when I was watching, Mandy Rose looked great, Paige looked great. Sonya Deville looked out of place. And she only said, that's it, baby, or that's right, baby, twice. She just seemed out of place. Personally, I don't think she's ready for the main roster. So, Larson, you defend why she is ready for the main roster. Steve, you defend why she isn't. Thanks, Windows. Right. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Best Patrick. Um, Sony Deville, yeah, she's totally ready for main. Look, here's the thing. This is not some huge... Big, giant debut call-up. This is more similar to something like Dana Brooke, where they called her up, but it was it was more kind of under... Because she got called up with Emma when Emma got recalled up. Yeah, I think right? so. I think so. And she was kind of Emma's right-hand man. I'm not going to say henchman necessarily. Yeah, that was a relationship in NXT. Yeah, exactly. And that was, exactly. And so that was her role because they felt that she had done enough, I think, because they felt she had done enough that she could then go to Maine and learn some more and maybe craft out a niche for herself, which she's still yet to do, but she's still around. And so I think Sony Deville coming up to Maine without like a big debut is more like, hey, you know what? We're not sure we have huge plans for you in NXT. We have a lot of women in NXT, but it indicates that she's done enough to warrant her coming up to Maine and then she's one of Paige's henchmen, she can maybe then carve a niche out for herself. Yeah, and I think her character in NXT was defined enough, mm-hmm. way more so than Mandy Rose's yeah. character ever was was developed. Um, we know who Sonya Deville is. We know what her, her wrestling style is. Sure. We know what her character is. Yeah. Um, in terms of NXT as a developmental system, at its basics, that's what you ask for. Right. For people to be good enough in the ring, to, to have a defined character, whether on main they actually acknowledge any of that. Yeah, true. That's a hurdle. Yeah. Um, but in that sense, she's totally ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, she could probably use more polish in the ring, for sure. Um, more polish with the character work. Mm-hmm. But she can do that. She might get more opportunities, especially if she's on the road for 250 days a year, going out there and having matches every night. Right. That's a good way to, 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 to harness the wrestling skills. I, I do kind of wonder what... You know, when they say, hey, we need a couple of henchmen, basically, for Paige, who would you recommend, you know, to Alberta, Triple H, or Regal, or whoever? Um, what, you know, when they look at the roster, okay, well, let's see who we have here. It makes me think, number one, they obviously have bigger plans for iconic duos mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. But number two, if they have a, you know, kind of like we know they have, like, the, the who, you know, the classes, the finishing class, the second to last class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, well, who's... 
who's pretty much ready to go, but we don't have like huge plans for, but could find room to grow. Or also, who's doing well in the secondary class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could be. Who, you know, they might not have huge plans for in NXT. Yeah, not everybody has to have the big giant debut with the big entrance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you get up there and then you just sink or swim and I... I I I really like it because we were worried that the Shanna Shanna Baszler thing was going to maybe overshadow Sonya Deville. Doesn't seem to be the case now. Yep. So good for her. Hopefully she makes the most of it. And hopefully she's making a lot more money now. She's on. Yeah, the I hope so. She probably is. So um, yeah, that's it for Matt Chat. Thank you so much for you patrons out there for the support and for uh, helping Matt Chat become what it is. Yes, we appreciate it. And uh, for anybody out there who's interested, Patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson, twenty dollars a month, and you can get on the show as well. Yep. Thanks for watching. Till next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Your words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.